I'm delighted and honored today to be able to bring this final message in this series of messages that this team here at Crossroads is called Quarantined. And as they've worked hard at presenting the concept of how we redeem the times of things like stay-at-home orders and uh, whether we, what we do is essential or not, we're all essential, we're all valuable. But as Pastor Tim both emailed me and told me verbally, he wanted to use this last message in this series to really bring home a personal reflection to each of us, a personal reflection on how to make the most meaning out of this time that we would call the quarantine time of this pandemic. Now, the Joshua passage that I'm about uh, to present to you is done not for any purposes of um, challenge or irritation, but I believe that Joshua 24 verses 14 and 15 will do both. It will both challenge us and irritate us. I have a feeling that what I'm about to say and do is going to actually irritate me. It's going to challenge and irritate me. Whatever happens from this moment forward as we conclude this series that uh, here at Crossroads we've called Quarantined, I want you to see and reflect in such a way to come to grips and process what God's speaking to you. Now, I don't expect you to believe every word that I say or the reflection actually that I have. What I've done here in all transparency was simple do, do the analysis of this passage and then just we're just going to lay it out for you to see. We're going to use Hebrew concepts and put them in how we would spell them in the English version. You're going to be able to see that and understand that. But please understand, we're not trying to force anything down your throat. What we're trying to get you to do is process and figure out how you feel about it. Not about how somebody else feels about it, because this is a very personal application. Let's get started. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15 starts out this way. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Now, here's the right off the start, right off the bat. The idea of fear, or the Hebrew word yorah, is a concept that gets translated uh, or mistranslated, misinterpreted, misapplied. The, the word, the concept that has no English translation for is a concept of the et yura. The et yura has a component in it that does not mean to be afraid or, you know, one of these, boo, <laughs> you know, be afraid, be very afraid. No, it's not about being afraid of God. The et yura is the idea, if I was going to paint a picture of it, it would be about being inspired by, being motivated by. Allowing God to allow my life to be intentional and focused on him. And then it goes on to say, and serve him in sincerity and truth. Therefore now, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. That whole concept of serve 
is the uh, Hebrew word, the webdu. And the webdu was always dependent upon the application uh, and uh, aspect of what the concept was. So serve him. The webdu has to, is directly dependent upon two concepts in this text. Uh, the idea of sincerity and truth, meaning honesty and transparency. Uh, so this whole idea of inspiration or the idea of what inspires me, uh, what motivates me, what compels me, the challenge here is that what compels us in our inner life needs to be honest. And what compels me in my inner life is transparent and open and truthful in what I do. Now that's a great concept for the day we live because you and I, we don't really know who or what to believe about the words that are coming out of people's mouths. Uh, and I mean, there's so many rabbit trails we could run, especially with what we've endured the last two, three, four months of, of what we've experienced together. But the most personal application uh, here is not who we're going to blame or whose fault something is, but the deepest, most personal thing that you and I can be challenged by is this whole idea of what inspires me, what motivates me, and how is that going to help focus me more upon God? And it has got to be the idea of I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be transparent, I'm going to be inspired by the creator of the universe. And then Joshua goes on to say, cast aside the gods your father served beyond the Euphrates and Egypt. And I made a list of that idea, and, and this is at least PG-13, if not more intense. The, the, uh, the gods their father served were in the exile of the Hebrews, the, ex the Babylonian exile, the Medo-Persian exile. That's when they were taken into slavery. And slavery not in some sort of caricature, but slavery in the idea of addiction, where they were victims. They, they I mean, in the Babylonian exile, uh, they were carted off. Their women were raped and murdered their men were killed, their children were violated and then sterilized. Their young girls were sterilized, their boys were castrated. And they were, they were victims and then became codependent on the bullying they endured. And Joshua is challenging those same people whose parents and grandparents and great-grandparents endured that kind of humiliation and shame, and saying, you made gods of being a victim. You made a god out of being bullied. That's the textbook Wikipedia example uh, or uh, definition of what codependency is, right? I become, a, I become codependent to the bullying. And then furthermore, the gods of Egypt. See that uh, we know that the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. But in polite society, we don't mention what they endured during that slavery. Not only did they have complete financial dependence upon Egypt, uh, 
Not only were they in deep poverty and debt in Egypt, they were violated in Egyptian slavery. That idea of Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, uh, he, was, he was talking about how the people of God were victims uh, to the Egyptians. Those Egyptians could do anything they wanted to do anytime they wanted to do it. And, they, and, the, and the people of God cried out to the creator of the universe, saying, please release us and give us freedom from this. And, I mean, we don't picture the idea that their, their wives and their daughters were raped by whatever Egyptian wanted to do, violate them. We don't picture that in our polite thinking or in our polite society. We don't understand the bloodthirst and violence that they endured. And Joshua is challenging them strong, saying, you don't have to be a victim any longer. And then it goes on, and serve the Lord. Now, I talked about that, that way-do idea, uh, and it's all dependent upon the context by the way the original version of the Hebrew translation was. The Wibdu Yahweh is this idea of lean into God. But if it is unpleasing or if it makes you too uncomfortable, uh, that idea, the, the difference between leaning into versus, but if it is unpleasing, Joshua goes on to say, but if it is unpleasing in your life, if it makes you too uncomfortable. Now, I don't know if that sounds silly to you the way it sounds silly to me. Joshua's saying, though, that sometimes we, be, we make the most uncomfortable thing comfortable. We make the most dysfunctional thing comfortable. And to be challenged out of that is what makes us uncomfortable. If it makes you too uncomfortable versus your life of addiction, slavery, victimization, poverty, codependency, in your sight to serve the Lord. He's stressing here about leaning into God. If, you're, if the gods you choose are better or greater in your mind than leaning in towards God, and I think there's, um, when he says, when he challenges us with that idea of, Choose by yourself this day whom you serve. What he's, I think what he's saying to us is, how's it going for you really anyway? How's that working for you? Being codependent, how's that working for you? Being bullied, how's that working for you? Being a victim, how's that working for you? He's saying that you can make a decision today to no longer be inspired by being bullied, you can make a decision today to no longer be driven or motivated by your addiction. You can make a decision today, while you still can, of which God you serve. Are you going to allow the creator of the universe to motivate you? Or are you going to be motivated by your own addiction, your own victimization? your own sexual slavery, your own gross immorality, your poverty? Are you going to be motivated and inspired by your discontent? Whether the gods your father served beyond Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. He's challenging the people of God 
saying, you're living among the spirit of the Amorites, of uh, the uh, fallaciously gross, uh, immoral uh, folks. Uh, the whole idea of, and, and, and this is something that we need to understand, that so many of us camp out in those lives because we don't know there's a better life. But there's a hurdle that we have to go through and across. There's something that we need to take on. And that is we need to understand that those gods that once controlled us, we need to make the decision that I'm going to let go of them today. And with many of us, it's the idea of forgiveness. That you have been a victim and what's happened to you is terrible. And, you know, I want to say this to you personally. If you've been hurt, no kidding. I mean, I'm, I feel bad for you. If, if you've had something happen to you unjust, I do. I mean, I'm feeling you. I feel for you. But I want to challenge you here because you can never progress in your life until you let that thing go, you release it, and you forgive that person. I know there's a lot of things that are going on, and there's a lot of reflection that happens, especially during a time of a quarantine. There's a lot of things to process, but don't miss this one. And that is that the beginning of the new life, of the reset of our lives, is just ahead. And your best days of your life are ahead of you. But you've got to let go of the past. And, and Joshua is saying you've made a god of your past. You bleed over everybody. You complain about it all the time. You need to let go and forgive and let God cleanse you. And then probably one of the most powerful statements in all the Bible. As for me and my house. I want to pause just for a second that idea of what he's saying here. As for me and my house, he's talking about my influence. He's talking about, as for me and my house, he's talking about allowing your influence of your life to become a personal force of nature all of its own. I'm going to use my influence to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that Nabed at Yahweh is that idea of I'm going to use all of my influence, all of my energy. I'm going to lean in towards God all the way in such a way that I share that same advice with everyone. That they're going to be able to see it in my life, not just by the words I say, but how I spend my life. I had a, just an example of this. And it just comes back to me time and time again. I mean, there was literally, you know, a run on toilet paper. Pastor Tim mentioned this early on in this series. I think he actually brought an object lesson with him right here on this table behind me. <laughs> About a month ago, uh, my neighbor and I, we were practicing social distancing. And, you know, my neighbor has his own way spiritually about his life but his habits on Sundays are very different from my habits on Sundays 
and I'm not being judgy here, I'm just calling it the way it is. We, from time to time, I try to get him to go in the direction in a conversation, and it's hard to get him to go in any kind of spiritual conversation. But I wanted to underscore something and use this as a sermon illustration. I remember sharing with him about the shortage of toilet paper. And he said to me, offered it up, do you not have enough? And I'm saying, you know, the shortage is real over here at the Royer household. And he said, I'll tell you what, I went to Costco and got a case and I'll split it in half with you. And I thought, you know, from a person that would, everybody would consider a non-Christian or non-practicing Christian, to come and offer up something like that, he's illustrating exactly what Jesus says, to love your neighbor as yourself. That is an example to me that humbles me, that example of my own neighbor offering half his case of toilet paper that he got at Costco because he's using his influence to help. We need to understand that too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to lean in to God all the way. I'm going to bring as many people in this leaning process as possible. Father, I want to celebrate and thank you for your presence that we experience in our day-to-day lives. And I thank you for these folks that are listening and sharing together whether it be on the internet, in the drive-in church, wherever campus they are, maybe it's later, watching the archives, but wherever it is, whenever it is, I just ask that you'll give us that deep inner sense of drive to see you as our motivation and inspiration. And then with that, help us to learn how to use every ounce of our influence to lean in towards you, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen, amen. God bless.